Hello, friends. It's time for the second hour of Open Line with me, Dr. Michael Radelnik. I'm professor of Jewish studies and Bible at the Moody Bible Institute. Also happen to be the academic dean. And this is Moody Radio's Bible study across America. It's where Moody answers your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. Uh, actually, I answer them, but I represent Moody, I guess. So that's why I said that. <laughs> you can. You can always post your question by going to openlineradio.org. You can click on a link there that says, Ask Michael a Question and fill out the form. Your question will be added to the mailbag. But before we get back to the phones, let me tell you about our current resource. Uh, It's from the Moody Bible Commentary. I loved co-editing the Moody Bible Commentary with my friend Mike Van Lanningham, and I use that commentary all the time. Frankly, there are parts that remain especially helpful, and two of those commentaries that I find very helpful are the Psalms and Proverbs. Uh, we tend to turn to the Psalms for comfort, uh, but also, particularly in the Moody Commentary, it shows how the Psalms are rich in explaining the Messiah, uh, revealing the Messiah. The Proverbs Commentary helps us m- unwrap the mysterious riddles of the Proverbs. And so we've taken these two books and made... Uh, the commentaries into one little smaller commentary, excerpted. We took all the Psalms and all the Proverbs and put it into a book, and we're making them available to you. When you give a gift of any size to OpenLine, we'll send you a commentary on the Psalms and Proverbs from the Moody Bible Commentary just to say thank you. We really appreciate you. And if you'd like to make a gift uh, for OpenLine, call 888 644 or go to openlineradio.org. And remember, when you give, ask for the Psalms and Proverbs commentary from the Moody Bible commentary. We're going to talk to Caroline in Florence, South Carolina. Welcome to OpenLine, Caroline. How can I help you today? Hi. Hi. Um, I have a question uh, in reference to the... um uh, casting of the, the legion, and they went into the swine, and it said they drowned. I want to know that the demons drown too. Demons can't drown; they were just in that. They the, cannot. No, they cannot drown. the The demons will come to their end, their final end. They go. They went out and started looking for another place to go. Uh, they went yeah. out of those pigs. They survived the swimming, those little swimmies, uh, and they they got out and found another place to uh, do their damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says in the book of Revelation at the end, when it talks about the lake of fire, uh, it talks about that was originally made for the devil and his angels, and that's when demons will come to their end. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, and there's one other thing. I had three questions, but two of them, that one. Well, you know what? I'm going to stop you there, sweetheart. Uh, We can't do multiple questions. We're going to just stick with this one and uh, call back another time because we have so many people calling. We kind of limit everyone to one question at a time. So sorry. Call next week. I'll try and answer it then or two weeks from now because uh, we're going to have a pre-record for next week. Thanks for your call, Caroline. Uh, We're going to talk with Evelyn in Calumet City listening on WMBI. Welcome to Open Line, Evelyn. How can I help you? 
Thank you. I would like you to explain to me First Peter four six. Okay. Uh, well, First Peter four six to begin with. For those of you playing at home, let me read it to you. Uh, it says, uh, "For this reason, the gospel was also preached to those who, my version says, who are now dead." so that although they might be judged by men in the fleshly realm, they might live by God in the spiritual realm. So uh, there's been a lot of talk about this verse indicating that this means that the gospel is preached to people after they die. Because it literally says in Greek, for this reason the gospel was preached to those who are dead. So that it sounds like, well, people get a second chance after death. Uh that that does not appear appropriate to me in the context. Uh, what this is saying is that everyone will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. That's verse 5. And then for this reason, the gospel was preached to those, and I, the implication, though the gospel was preached to people who are now dead, but when was it preached to them? When they were alive. And they believed, so that although they might be judged by men, or judged in the fleshly realm, meaning the the wages of sin is death spiritually and physically. And the reason that we die today is because we still have the the presence of sin in our lives. That's why we die. And so uh, that's that's the judgment that everybody will have for sin. So it, it's saying, for this reason, the gospel was preached to those who are now dead while we were still alive, that even though we might be judged as having died, so that was a physical judgment, we might live by God in the spiritual realm, that uh, we will have eternal life. Um, There's going to be a relationship with God that will be in the spiritual realm with God, and then ultimately physical resurrection without the presence of sin, and then we will live forever in that resurrected body. That's what First Peter four six is talking about. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Good. Thanks for your question. Appreciate it. By the way, isn't that a great motivation to not wait? Say, well, well, the Lord will tell them uh, once they've gone on to the next life, He'll give them another chance. No, this is our chance. We have friends, we have family, we have neighbors. We need to tell them about Jesus to preach the gospel gospel for them, that Jesus died for their sins and rose again while they're yet alive. And then uh, after they're dead, they would have the great physical death, but they will have spiritual life forever with the Lord. That's, that's it's a great motivation. Don't wait till later. Later may not come for you. So now's the time. We're going to speak with uh, Jane in Chattanooga, Tennessee, listening on WMBW. Hey, Jane, welcome to Open Line. Hey, Dr. Michael. I appreciate you so much. Thank the you. Spirit has really been working with me while I've been listening during the first hour. Um, I, I, I apologize. I really have two questions. What would be the roots of the Jewish hatred of the Gentiles during Jesus' day? I was led to read Luke 4, and, you know, Jesus talked about the Gentiles who had miracles happen to them in, in Luke 4, and also... Um, what? How? I I can, can, uh, Jane, Jane, can I break, just? Are you talking about Jewish hatred of Gentiles? That's what I'm reading here, right? 
Yeah, during Jesus' day, and and possibly also even today. Today, yeah. you know, I, I believe there's a lot of racism. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you would come in on that, mm-hmm. and also. Well, okay, uh, just just hold on. I, I want to address that first and foremost. Okay. Uh, okay. It's very important to know this. Jews were not especially hateful of Gentiles in the first century. Uh, in fact, Jesus actually condemns the Pharisees in Matthew 23 because of their concern for Gentiles, because he says, you wander, you roam the earth looking for converts to Judaism, and then you uh, uh, really don't really give them good news. They were teaching them a works righteousness, but it was their concern for Gentiles that led them to do that. Uh, and so, so often I hear sermons, like for example, on Ephesians 2, about the barrier between Jews and Gentiles, and uh, the, the idea that Jewish, the reason that Jesus had to overcome the barrier between Jews and Gentiles was because of Jewish hatred, the Jewish enmity for Gentiles. No one ever mentions the Gentile enmity for Jews. The Roman Empire was notorious for their hatred of Jews. At one point, they even kicked all the Jews out of the city of Rome uh, in the year 43, I believe it was. And uh, there was tremendous hatred. Uh, And part of it is that Jews worshiped a God you couldn't see. What kind of dumb thing is that? You know, uh, that's what pagans thought. So... No. Uh, it, well, why did why did the Jewish people want to cast Jesus out of Nazareth in Luke four then, and and want to want to throw him over the cliff? Well, it wasn't because they were Jewish the, and he was a Gentile. Gentile. We can say that, right? Because Jesus was Jewish. Uh, now, here's what you need to look right. at. Okay, here's when you look at Luke four. I want you to see this. It says he came. Uh, into the synagogue, you know, beginning with verse 16, they, Sabbath, they give him the scroll, he reads Isaiah 61, and he says it's been fulfilled. And look at verse 22. It says, they were all speaking well of him and were amazed by his gracious words that came from his mouth. So they didn't have an intrinsic hatred of Jesus they were speaking well of him. But then they said, isn't this Joseph's son? I think the first reason that they began to turn away, though they were speaking well, is because they were overly familiar with him. Isn't this Joseph's son? You know? Uh, and then secondly, there were no signs. They want, you know, if you look at verse 23, we've heard that all that took place in Capernaum do here in your hometown also. Uh, and so what they wanted more signs done for them uh, of his miracles. And then in verses 25 through 27, he talks about how uh, Elijah was sent to the Gentiles, and he gave them a pretty unwelcome message. And with that unwelcome message, they became even more angry. So I don't think this was an intrinsic... You can see they were speaking well of him. They didn't like it because he he was too familiar. They were 
no signs done for them. He wasn't doing the miracles that they wanted. And then he gave them an unwelcome message. Let me tell you, today in the church, there are people who speak well of Jesus, but then they become a little overly familiar with him. Uh, They also get annoyed when he doesn't heal them when they ask or do other kind of miracles. And then when he challenges their life, uh, they might turn against him. So I don't think that this is... This is, uh, this is not necessarily an intrinsic hatred. Uh, think about every disciple who followed Jesus in the book of Luke was Jewish. Every one of them. Yes. And so yes. uh, uh, let's not turn the Jewish people into hateful of Gentiles and always hateful of Jesus then or now. Okay. 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 And could I ask about how I could expand my ministry to Jews since I don't know any personally and, uh, you know, I don't have a lot of money to give to Chosen People yeah. Ministries, even though I'd love to. There's a, how, uh, how there's a wonderful I... local ministry right there in Chattanooga, uh, uh, a Messianic Ministry to Israel. Uh, Reggie? Reggie Lisenby, yeah. yeah. Reggie yeah. I, I met him personally. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure th- that's Patrick. who I would contact. Uh, Reggie was one of my, he's, I think he may be the same age as I am, but he was one of my first students at Moody. Uh, he kind of left uh, youth ministry in the church and came to Moody for Jewish studies, was I think the first student I had from freshman through senior, and uh, uh, not Jewish, is I think the ultimate role model of someone who is not Jewish, who loves the Jewish people, and is given his whole life to serving with them and bringing the good news to them. He's he's a wonderful, godly uh, leader. He's someone that I would be in touch with and uh, go to go uh, check it out. Me- uh, Messianic Ministry to Israel, wonderful ministry in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, we're, uh, I hope that's helpful, Jane. Appreciate your question so much. Really do. Uh, we're going to come right back with more of your calls, more of your questions about the Bible, God, and the spiritual life. We'll be talking about the Scriptures and the Savior and the spiritual life. Stay right there. This is Michael Wright Delnick on Open Line. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Open Line with Michael Rydelnik. Uh, so glad you're listening today. We have a, a, an unusual and special call now, uh, I find. Uh, it says, uh, Samuel from Israel. Uh, and uh, our screener put, personal friend. So, hey, Samuel. Welcome to hey, Open Line. Shalom. <laughs> shalom, shalom. Shalom. I am so glad to talk with you. This is my friend. I, I can say your last name on the air. Uh, Samuel Smaja. And uh, Samuel, we go way back. Thank you for calling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm in the car and I'm listening to your program and I want to thank you for what you do uh, on, behalf, on behalf of the Messianic Jews in Israel. Oh, well, thank you so thank much. You. Wow. Thank you for a beautiful, beautiful ministry and 
being such a voice wow. all that, over the world. Well, you're so kind. I don't, I don't have a question. I just want to say. Well, let me tell them about you. you. I think this is just so great. Okay. You know, when when I broadcast from Israel, I broadcast from a studio that Samuel owns. Uh, and I appreciate him letting me use that when I'm in Israel. Also, Samuel is the leader of Sarel, and they are our land agent. When Moody goes to Israel and I go to Israel, uh, it is, it's Samuel's company that puts the whole trip together for us, that they organize everything, hotels and all that. It's, it's a remarkably wonderful company. And, but here's what I love the most. Samuel leads the, uh, he's an elder and a leader in a, in a congregation in Jerusalem, a Messianic congregation. And Samuel, I don't know if you remember, but I did my internship as a, a graduate student in that congregation when your dad yes. was the lead elder. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you were even wow. in a little Bible study I taught. You were getting ready to go to the Army. I don't know if you remember that, yes. but you and I, <laughs> yes. I think uh, David, uh, amazing when I think yes. about it. Yeah. Yes. We go way back. So listen, if we go to Israel, I if you ever go with me, folks, or Moody, just so you know, it's the people that make this happen is this wonderful team of people that Samuel has put together in Israel. Thanks for you. And, and tell us about your, 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 you have a cable TV show, don't you, Samuel? Yeah, we, we have a show on TBN mm-hmm. called Inside Israel and the Middle East. Bring good news from Israel. Ah. Showing, uh, showing the world that the role of Israel is to be a light to the nation, uh, definitely through the Messiah first and all. Mm-hmm. But uh, also being a blessing to the countries around us, and to the and they're talking about the return of the the miracle of the return of the Jewish people to the land. Wow, that's great! And I know we have TBN here in the United States. You have a lot of watch, uh, watchers here, people who watch the program here in the United States, right? Yes. Yeah. The show is in America. Yeah. That's great. Well, I everyone check that out. Find it on TBN. Uh, tell us the name of the program again, Samuel. Inside Israel and the Middle East. Oh. I think I think it's playing here on a Thursday or Wednesday evening, okay. depending where you are in great, America. Great. Well, but listen. mainly I called to say thank you and thank you for the love of brothers and sisters here in America, for the people of Israel, and to encourage them to continue to pray for the salvation of Israel. Thank you. Yeah, I love it that you called. Thank you so much, Samuel. Uh, Thank you, my brother. Anytime. And again, thanks for all you do for me personally. I really appreciate it. Okay. Shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom. Oh, I will. I'll send it to her. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye. Boy, that's kind of a fun thing. Let's see. It's over 40 years uh, uh, Shmulek and I have, Samuel and I have been friends. So how fun is that? That's great. Thanks for that call. Well, we're going to talk to Steve in Chicago. Listen on WMBI. Welcome to Open Line, Steve. How can I help you? Thank you so much, Dr. Rydell. So my question is sort of derived from your 50 Most Important Bible Questions book. Um, So if God had made a world in which Adam and Eve could not choose to obey or disobey God, then he would have been creating a mechanicalized world with human robots. So my question is, will we be robots in heaven since we will not have, since we will have no choice to sin in heaven for eternity? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the difference is uh, we had untested, untested 
This is what Adam and Eve had, untested creaturely holiness. Uh, they, and once they test that were tested, they failed. Today, what we have is we are sinful by nature. But we also have trusted those of us who know the Lord, have trusted in Jesus that he died for us and rose again to redeem us from sin. So we will have made, that's a very important choice that was made. And the promise that we have now is today we have been redeemed from the penalty of sin. And once we die, we will go right to be with the Lord. But when we die, we will also be redeemed from the presence of sin. That nature will be removed because we were at the test is over. We're there. We've put our trust in Jesus and the presence of sin. So we won't be robots. We will be redeemed people who no longer have sin and therefore won't want to sin. That's the difference that that it is. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, listen. Have you trusted in Jesus, Steve? Yes, absolutely. Good. And I prayed away because it's it's that that issue of why would he give us the choice here on earth, but not give us the choice in heaven for eternity. If that was the case, why wouldn't he just put us in heaven to begin with, mm-hmm. with no choice to sin? Because that's where he wants us to begin with. He wants anyway. us. To, he wants us to begin. Actually, uh, if again, we're not robots. So we've chosen, we may still sin, but we've chosen Jesus. That's what we've done. That's the most important choice we can make. And when we make that choice, then one day we'll be redeemed from the presence of sin. So anyway, thank you for your call, Steve. Appreciate it. Uh, We're going to speak next with Nancy. Oh, in Zephyr Hills, Florida, listening on WKES. Uh, Welcome to Open Line, Nancy. How can I help you? My question is, why did Jesus commit his um, mother's care to John rather than to his own brothers and sisters? Maybe he knew his brothers and sisters really well. Oh. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> he thought, man, the, <laughs> they are such pains in the neck. I, I think I'm going to have my mom cared for by someone I can depend on. So, uh mm. I don't know what the answer of that other than the wisdom and knowledge of the Lord Jesus of his family. Maybe he had other purposes and plans and knew that uh, they wouldn't be able to care for his mom. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I was know. just wondering if the customs of the day, you know, if that was contrary to the customs of the day or... Uh, I don't think it was contrary. I don't think it was normative. Uh it, mostly there was someone that would be in the family uh, that would care for an elderly parent. But yeah, I don't think I don't think it was unusual to pick someone. Uh, it was just not normative. So, you know, there, that's just one of those things I don't know. And uh, I'm going to tell you why I don't know. Are you ready? Because the Bible doesn't mm-hmm. tell us. The Bible, right, yeah, right. it just doesn't tell us. And uh, we... They're, they're, and I, I love what D.L. Moody said. The Bible was, God didn't give us the Bible to satisfy our curiosity, but to transform our lives. And so, so mm-hmm. often when we have these questions of curiosity, uh, 
we uh, we think, well, why didn't he satisfy my curiosity? Well, because he really doesn't want to. He doesn't care about that. Uh, what he wants, mm-hmm. and and I also think about what Mark Twain said about the Bible. He says now he meant it in a different way. It's not the things I don't understand, but the things I do understand that bother me. Uh, but I feel the same way. It's you know the things I don't understand. Uh, that's not such a big deal. I don't just don't understand them. I don't know why. Well, the, the real issue mm-hmm. is the things I do understand. Am I obeying them? Am I living by them? Mm-hmm. Am I allowing God to use his word to transform my life? Uh, am I letting him speak into my heart, speak into my actions, speak into everything that I need? You know, I keep reading the Bible. Uh, I've got my Bible right here. And it's, it's, I've had this Bible for about 10 years, and I've gone through it multiple times. And every time I read it, I have to say, I have to look for it. I always pray. And, you know, I don't have my central nervous system tickled every time I read the Bible every day. But what I do is I ask God to speak into my life. And every uh, couple days I get saying, oh, there we go. Now he's meddling, you know. (laughs) That's the old thing. He's not preaching, he's meddling. Well, when I read the scriptures, God starts to say, well, how about this in your life? How about that? I'm I'm looking at the scriptures as the way that God will transform our lives. And I, I, I hope everyone listening will as well. Uh, not worry about the things we don't understand. It's the things that we do that we have to obey. So anyway, thanks for your call. Appreciate it. We're going to be right back with the mailbag. Trish is coming in, and uh, I'll do my best to answer those questions you sent in. Uh, this is Michael Rydelnik on Open Line. Welcome back to Open Line. My name is Michael Rydelnik, and joining me right now uh, with the mailbag is Trisha McMillan. Hey, Trisha. Uh, you know, I wanted to talk with you about uh, our kitchen table partners, if that's okay. Uh, kitchen table partners are people who have uh, committed to give monthly to Open Line. And this way we can be on the air every week. And they, they've made this great commitment. Have you met some uh, kitchen table partners of late when we were in Israel? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. I mean, I met several. Yeah. There were lots of kitchen table partners on our trip to Israel. Yeah, the open line trip to Israel. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking about that when Shmuel called. But we were together there in Israel. Uh, you and Nate, even and I, we had a great time with our people. Uh, two buses of people seeing the whole land. But... When we met Kitchen Table Partners, I was wondering if anyone's talked to you about why it is they chose to become Kitchen Table Partners. Mm. Um, uh, Most of the ones I spoke with said they just, they learn so much from the Bible teaching Mm -hmm. and it it helps them understand the Bible better. Yeah. And so they wanted to... And they wanted to help commit commit and support and keep the program on the air so that they and others can keep learning from the Bible. And several of them were like, I tell all of my friends to listen Oh, cool! because they're almost, they're almost like open line evangelists, if you will, but, or Moody radio evangelists, that they want people to hear the truth of the Bible and what it actually means and to, and to know that they can understand it and they can read it and understand it. Yeah. You know, that's why I find that, that people make this commitment. uh, When I meet kitchen table partners, it's, 
It's because they are are getting a benefit from listening to the program. And I appreciate that so much. I'm so glad because that's obviously what we want to do is encourage people in the Word and, and in their walk with the Lord. And so, you know, if you're listening and you think, well, I listen pretty regularly and I really like the program and, uh, you know, I, I never really considered before. Uh, one of the ways that, that I believe that you can uh, keep the program on the air, so to speak, but also uh, express your appreciation if, if you do appreciate it is by becoming a Kitchen Table Partner. And uh, every other week I'll send you a, uh, a special Bible study designed exclusively for our Kitchen Table Partners. It's uh, something that uh, you get in your email, you click on it and listen to it. And uh, that's just a, a, a way of us saying thank you to you and uh, doing something special for those Kitchen Table Partners. Uh, the way you become a Kitchen Table Partner, call 888 644 7122 or sign up online at openlineradio.org. And do we have some questions here for the mailbag? We do. Yeah. We have several. The first question is from Suzanne, and she listens to WMBI and says, I'm walking through a new believer's study with a friend seeking Jesus. I'm aware that there are thousands of New Testament manuscripts tested for accuracy and archaeological points to the Bible. Archaeology points not, to it. Not really. Archaeology points to it. Yes, yes. Um, my friend is a teacher and so asks great questions. Mm-hmm. And her biggest question is Is the Bible really 100% accurate and how do you know? Do I take all of it literally? Uh, Suzanne says, I have decent Bible knowledge, but need more facts to give her in regard to that accuracy. Well, first of all, uh, we don't take everything literally. You know, when Jesus said, uh, Herod, that old fox, we don't think that Herod had a bushy tail. You know, obviously he's using a metaphor of Herod being sly. Mm-hmm. When he said, uh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, he didn't think they were making bread. Uh, he he was talking about beware of the sinful attitudes of the Pharisees. Uh, there are many, Jesus said, I'm the door. He doesn't have hinges. So you have to be careful when we say we take the Bible literally. We take the Bible, uh, whatever the Bible is affirming to be true, uh, we accept as true. So I would say, yeah, we believe Herod was sly, like a fox, you know. So uh, if that's what he mean, if that's what she means by literal, yes. Uh what about the flood? I, I could see that yeah. being one, like Adam and Eve being yeah. real people or yeah. the flood literally yeah. happening. When you have narratives like that, mm-hmm. uh, of course, uh, in narrative, when there isn't a figure of speech in use, yeah, we take it at face value that these things actually happened. Now, some people think there was just a local flood. I thought that was kind of interesting. I had uh, this wonderful uh, Hebrew professor, Old Testament, professor of Hebrew scriptures, John Salhammer. I once asked him about local versus just in the land of Israel flood versus a universal flood. He said, look at the height of that water. If that was just local, it would have had to have been jello, <laughs> which I thought, would, <laughs> I thought that was a funny answer. But uh, the, of course, the, the, the rainbow is a sign that there would never be uh, destruction of the human race by flood again. But we've had local floods again, so but we've never had a universal flood again. 
So it doesn't seem to me that it was a local flood. It was a universal flood, and I would take it that way. Uh, you know, people say, well, how could you fit those animals on the ark? In the book, 50 Most Important Bible Questions, I gave a rational, reasonable explanation of, of how the animals were there. It wasn't all the animals. It was the different, uh, I guess you would say, the. it was the, by genus they were put on. So categories of animals and various things like that and the size of the ark. But yeah, we take those at plain value. How do I know? Jesus said this in John seventeen seventeen. He said to the uh, he's in his prayer for us. He said, "Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth." And so, Jesus, who is God incarnate, uh, uh, called it the truth. So everything the Bible affirms as true is true. Uh, and I would even go further, uh, in Colossians chapter three, it talks about, let the word of Christ, uh, take hold of you, or, uh, it actually take the, the way the word is used there is take forcible occupation, hmm. uh, and, uh, dwell in you richly is how it's translated, but it's like forcible occupation, let the, but it's called the word of Christ. That's what the Bible is called, the Word of Christ. And why is that important, the Word of Messiah? It's because it's His Word. This whole book is His book. Uh, and therefore, uh, we can trust it. It's Jesus who we're trusting when we trust the Bible. Uh, and so, and God who cannot lie, Paul wrote, uh, that God doesn't put lies in here to deceive us. Uh, so, yeah, I think we can take the Bible at face value. I think we can uh, trust it. There, people find, oh, I have this little, uh, I found a contradiction. Usually those contradictions are resolved by uh, recognizing that it was the original manuscripts that were without error. And there are obviously transmissional errors. People copying over thousands of years have made a little copyist error here or there. It's the original that didn't have the error, but we can see that there were copyist errors. There's, that's why we look at the text and we can do textual criticism and, and figure out what the original said. It's not like we don't know what the original said, but that's part of, of the issue. There may be some transmissional errors, but in the original, when Paul wrote, when Isaiah wrote, those are without error. When Moses wrote, without error. Uh, in archaeology, there's nothing in archaeology that has ever... Def uh, contradicted the scriptures. Archaeology is a great thing. Prophecy, the Bible said this outrageous thing. You know, Samuel was just on, uh, and he talked about his TV program being about Israel coming back to the land in fulfillment of prophecy. You know, people said this can never be, this can never be taken literally. This could never happen. The Jewish people will never go back to their land after being scattered for thousands of years. And, yeah. and look at that. The Jewish people are back. So, yeah, we can take the Bible at face value, we can read it that way, we can trust it. Now, this uh, dear listener who, who sent this question in, uh, you could, I don't know if you can do this, but I'm hoping you can. Uh, we have a book that we can send her uh, by Erwin Lutzer. It's called Seven Reasons You Can Trust the Bible. And if we can get her address, let's send it to her. Okay, uh, I can do that. Because that's a great book. Uh, and everyone listening, if you can, uh, if you want to have some good, Firm Reasons to Trust the Bible. Uh, that's a great book. Okay. Okay? All right. Thank you.
Erwin Lutzer, Seven Reasons You Can Trust the Bible. All right. Thank you for that. I hope that helps you, Suzanne. And I'm so glad you're doing this study with your friend and Mm -hmm. that you guys are having these ongoing dialogues. That's great. Um, Next question is um, from Sherry, Mm -hmm. who says, how do I know that I will make it to heaven when I die? I'm afraid that he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. And I'm afraid I might have committed the unpardonable sin and won't be in heaven when I die. Mm -hmm. Well, let me just say, first of all, tell me the name of this. Sherry. Sherry. Sherry, you need to go back and listen to our program from... July 22nd. July 22nd about the security of the believer. Uh, It was just a roundtable discussion with uh, several professors from Moody Bible Institute, we had a great discussion about how you can be assured. Now, the Bible says if you trust in Jesus, uh, if you believe that he died for you and rose again, if you put your trust in him, if you commit that faith to him, uh, your sins will be forgiven. There's nothing you can do to undo that. You will never have to do a good deed to earn your way into heaven. You can never commit a bad deed that will make you lose your presence uh, with him. And uh, so I would encourage you, and some of those verses that you mentioned, uh, that was a, the one about depart from me, workers of iniquity. That's talking about false teachers, false prophets, not talking about you. Uh, and uh, the unpardonable sin is to deny that, uh, that Jesus' works were done by the power of God when the incarnate Messiah is present with you. That's not something you can do. Uh, so... Uh, just, I would say, listen to that program, read the Word, trust Jesus, and and then you won't ever, ever uh, be concerned about those things again. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks. I hope that's encouraging for you, Sherry. Again, yeah. that's the July 22nd open line from just a few weeks ago. Yeah, that was just a few weeks ago. It's, it was uh, really gotten tremendous response to that. People are really encouraged by it. I hope you'll listen to it. Uh, we're going to come right back with uh, more questions that you've called in with uh, right here on Open Line with Michael Rydelnik and Trisha McMillan. Stay right there. open line. You know, in Psalm 122, verse 6, the psalmist exhorted us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, a prayer we too often neglect. That's why Chosen People Ministries' new calendar is a great reminder to pray for Israel. This year's calendar will immerse us in the land of Israel. It will encourage us to pray with breathtaking photos from the land and prompts for heartfelt prayer. This calendar can be yours free. Since the Jewish New Year begins in the fall, the calendar runs from September of 23 through December of 2024. For your free copy of Chosen People Ministries' Jewish Art Calendar, just go to the OpenLine website. That's openlineradio.org. Scroll down. You'll see the link that says, A Free Gift from Chosen People Ministries. Click on that link, and you'll be taken to a page where you can sign up for your own free copy of the 2023-24 Jewish art calendar. I think you're going to really like it. I saw the pictures. They're beautiful. So uh, don't miss out. Okay, we're going to talk with Beth in Bonita Springs, Florida on WSOR. That's where she's listening. Welcome, Beth. How can I help you today? 
Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Sure. So this is my question. Um, I have a friend who believes that the only way you can get saved is that God predestined you. Now, Mm -hmm. if he did not predestine you, then you are not going to heaven. You're not going to be saved. So, I, I mean, I've been a Christian almost 25 years. I wholeheartedly do not believe what she is saying, but because she is a dear friend, um, and I'm, this is over a phone call, I did not want to get into it with her. When I see her eventually, I we will open the Bible and I'll figure this out. But since you are so well-versed, help me, well, <laughs> please. Let's look at two verses, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and it says here, He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Uh, that's election, choosing us. He chose us. We didn't choose him. And he, verse 5 now, he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus the Messiah for himself according to his favor and will. Now, I know we don't think that's what's happening when we trust the Lord. We're looking up at the, uh, this is how Spurgeon, I'm told, said it. He look, You look at a door, and it says, whosoever will may come above the door, and you enter. You turn around, and you look at the sign above the door once you're in, and it says, chosen before the foundation of the world. The, the, the best example I can give is from, the, have you read the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis? No, I have not. Oh, boy, you've missed out. Great books. They're children's fairy tales that are especially good for adults. So in this one scene, uh, Jill Pohl and Eustace uh, are standing at the beginning of the book, and they're asking for Aslan to let them back into Narnia. They're calling out to Aslan, who's the Christ figure, uh, the lion who's the son of the emperor beyond the sea. Aslan, let us into Narnia. And all of a sudden, they're, they're in Narnia. And so a number of things happen. And Jill couldn't believe it. She had never even heard of Narnia before asking. Uh, it was through Eustace that she asked. But anyway, she said, she was talking to Aslan, and she said something to the effect of, well, we asked you to bring us here. And he said, you would not have asked had I not called you first. You would have not called to me had I not call, been calling you. I think that is crucial. We think we're the ones doing the calling, but, and we're told to preach the gospel to everyone because we don't know who is elect. We just preach it out there and, and we call upon people to believe. There's this mystery, I believe, between uh, the person's response and the fact that they are predestined and chosen, and we just trust God to work out that mystery. I can't work it out. But uh, that is the truth, that uh, we're never going to call on him except that he calls us first. That's, that's what it seems like to me, okay? I'm sure it's, you said you don't believe that, but that looks like, to me like what Ephesians 1, 4, and 5 is saying, okay? Am I still on? Yeah, well, yeah, but I'm not going to— we, we, we can't engage oh. on it because it's a lightning round here. I've got to move on to the next call. So uh, keep reading. Okay? Thanks. Thanks for your time, Beth. Uh, 
Tim in Twin Cities, Minnesota, listening on the Moody app. How can I help you? Love you guys so much. I'm making it quick here, I promise. Sure. I've been blessed to witness to people, especially some on their deathbeds, as people say. Mm-hmm. Um, some people have requested morphine. It seems like sometime at the last second. Um, and I don't know what, what's your thoughts, Michael, on, you know, is it okay for some people not to take it? People don't know how people can't give me an there, uh, Bible study yeah. or anything in answer. Here's what I think. I'm going to give you the best I can. I, the Bible is really clear. God is the author of life and death. And so we should never move people on. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, mercy killing is just an abomination to the Lord. We shouldn't practice it. It takes the, the role of life and death out of God's hands. However, it doesn't mean there, there are sometimes we keep people alive artificially. I don't think that's mercy killing to take people off artificial life support. That's perfectly acceptable. And also as people are dying, as they realize they're dying, uh, it could be, I think the best thing to do is to make them as comfortable and pain-free as possible. And yes, morphine or anything else that would be used to do that would be a mercy for them uh, as they as they prepare to, to meet the Lord. Perfect. I wish I had an hour just to tell you how much I like you guys. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, we we like you, too. We're Take glad care. you're listening, Tim. Ah, really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, Kay, can you ask your question super quick? I doubt it. <laughs> I'm calling about Thanksgiving. We're told in Psalms and uh, Philippians, etc., that... Uh, to give thanks with our prayers, to enter his presence with thanksgiving. In the Lord's Prayer, uh, that Jesus, what we call the Lord's Prayer, Jesus to his disciples and it began it with praise of God. And then we went to the request statements, give. But no us. thanksgiving. I don't, right. I don't okay. see thanksgiving. Okay. I need your insight. But here's the simple answer. The Lord Jesus gave us a model prayer but it was not extensive and all-inclusive of all that we need to know about prayer. We get that from the rest of Scripture. So let's study that as long as everything else that's taught about uh, prayer. That's the program for the week. Thanks for your call, Kay. Thanks for all of you who called for making the program possible. Check out our webpage, openlineradio.org. It's got everything you're looking for, whether it's uh, how to become a kitchen table partner or how to get our current resource, how to get the chosen people letter uh, 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 offering, whatever it is that you're looking for, you'll find it there. Keep reading the Bible. We'll talk about it next week. Open Line with Dr. Michael Rydelnik is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. <laughs>